Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, friends, Michigan fans. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com postgame podcast after a 27-14 Michigan win over the Iowa Hawkeyes, their first win at Kinnick Stadium since 2005. Uh, another another narrative checked off the box. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has now won in every Big Ten stadium, so uh, that's going to be how it is until USC and UCLA are here in a couple of years. So, uh, Ryan, former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen with me as always. We will discuss some of the finer points of the game. We will take your questions over the next probably half hour, 45 minutes here uh, for finally – I don't want to say that last week wasn't a test, but Ryan, it, fi- it finally feels like we have some answers now about what the makeup of this team was. And this is where I want to start today. Things got a little sketchy there in the third quarter. Took your foot off the gas, kind of on both sides of the ball. But when it was time to win, when it was time to get a stop on defense, put a drive together on offense and end the game, Michigan did what it had to do. And I think that this was as, you know, <laughs> You get it's it's all sort of, you know, you have to adjust it for the opponent and the stadium you were playing in. This is about to me, outside of everything going perfectly, about as well of, of a day as as this could have been for them. I think so. It's no secret that it's tough to play and win uh, at Iowa in Kinnick, and that really doesn't matter how good the Iowa team is; they're going to play well at home. And uh, Michigan did some of the things that we talked about they needed needed to do in order to come away with this win. Uh, mostly protecting the football, um, but being in possession of the ball, playing Michigan's brand of football, and not getting drug into the mud with the Hawkeyes. Uh, we did take a look at it in the third quarter, but we ended up, I feel like, a really dominant four quarters of football, and Iowa came out and played pretty hard there in, in the second part of the second half. But uh, I think we found out that this team can handle some adversity. They can win on the road, and we've got some people that are emerging in positions that we maybe were worried about prior to this game. So uh, a lot of good things to take away from this game, but the biggest of all is the win. Yeah. And for those asking, I saw a question from Shane Johnson asking where I am. I'm actually broadcasting today's show. I am at Kinnick stadium. I was at the game. I am in the coaches box where Michigan coaches were during the game. So uh, it's a very good chance. Someone will come in here and try to kick me out at some point or run a vacuum through here or grab some garbage out or something. I tried to help clean up a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's where I am today. So was in Iowa City, my first experience, really kind of my first Big Ten road trip. So coming back with a victory, that's a good spot to be in. Uh, I, I don't. There's a lot of directions we can go with this. Uh, I think for me, when we look at 
players that, you know, this is people call week five separation Saturday. This is where, really kind of where you start to feel, feel out who's for real, who are the guys that are going to be your big time contributors. And, and last week we did a, we did a show where Blake Corum had 30 rushes for 243 yards and two touchdowns. And we said, I think both of us said, yeah, be nice to have Donovan Edwards back. Probably don't want to run that guy 30 times again. Well, they didn't. They only ran him 29, but 133 yards, one touchdown. Um, he was outstanding again. Obviously seals out the game late. Offensive line, Ryan, I think had the best day collectively that they've had probably since the Big Ten championship game last year. I think so. I mean, that's a good front seven in Iowa's defense. Their defense overall is, is a very good defense, I think, in the Big Ten. They just don't get them a lot of help from their offense, and that's kind of been the story of Iowa so far this year. And uh, I think that us being able to get Blake Corum to the second level, I don't know what he what his average was, ended up with an average of almost five yards per carry. I mean, he did a lot of work in between the tackles, a lot of uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, and I think just a credit to how he runs the ball because – Due to his stature, you might think, well, scat back, he's not going to be able to make it in between the tackles. But I thought our offensive line did a good job getting him those first three yards. He did a good job finding leaky yardage after that against a really stout front seven uh, from the Iowa defense. What do you remember about playing in Kinnick Stadium? The atmosphere, was it – what stood out to you the most about coming to Iowa City and how hard it is to get a win here? kind of feels remote a little bit when you're going out there, especially – you know, you stay, I think they put you in uh, Cedar Rapids, I believe is what it's called, but you stay about an hour north. And um, the other thing I remember specifically about Iowa is the fans are right on top of you. So if you've got your sideline, you've got the white area that you're supposed to stay out of, then you've got your sideline area of the benches. I feel like someone, if they really felt like it, they could just reach over and tap you on the shoulder that's in the front row at Iowa. And uh, so it just feels a little more hostile because of how close that crowd is. And uh, if you give them a reason to be loud, they will be loud. And that's one thing I think that worked to our benefit is came out and started strong, which you never know how things are going to go on a road trip. But I thought offensively, defensively, special teams, all three facets looked really polished and looked really crisp and clean for the first two quarters of football. And when you get ahead on Iowa, it makes it a little bit more amicable, amicable place to stay. Well, again, you guys, uh, thank you for being here watching live. You can get your questions in throughout the show. If you use the donate button below, uh, throw a couple bucks our way. Uh, you'll get moved to the front of the line, and we'll get your question up and featured and, and give you a shout-out as well. But I want to do, go to this one from Michigan Man real quick who says, to be honest, this should have been a 38-7 win. We left some points off the board. In a perfect scenario, yeah, that's prob- like that, that probably would be what this game looks like. Um, and, and producer Hutch and I were talking about this before uh, Ryan hopped on. It's weird that, you know, for, for, a, for a team like Michigan or Penn State, you know, Hutch is a Penn State fan, so that was the example I used. Momentum-changing plays in a game can be a big sack, an interception, uh, some sort of forced turnover, a long touchdown. There was a point where this game kind of flipped a bit uh, when J.J., uh, to avoid a sack, he throws he throws the football, goes backwards, gets ruled a fumble, and then Brad Robbins shanks a punt. In, at Kinnick Stadium, that is as big of a momentum shift as there can be. And Iowa, for the first time this season, seemed to kind of get some things cooking offensively. And that um, the fact that they were able to weather that, I mean, even when Iowa scored the first time, it was 20-7, to 7, so it never truly felt like, you know, there were some, some people kind of tightening up in the press box. But uh, even with all of that, um, 
still, I liked the response that we saw. I like that, and Ryan is a former defensive lineman. You, it must have been nice to see finally a consistent pass rush uh, in the la- in the waning moments of the game. Uh, we saw some more run from Ayabe Okoye. We saw Mike Morris. I think is it's not hasn't been so quiet anymore. But I think quietly coming into today's game had been one of Michigan's best defensive players. Uh, those guys, when it mattered most, got pressure and closed out this football game. I think, yeah, there was something that I would say two, three weeks ago we were talking post-game and there were a lot of questions coming in of, are you worried about the front four? We need more pressure. Um, and my answer has been no, and even more resounding, no, I'm not worried about what we can do with our front four. I think you're seeing these guys really start to develop, come into uh, their own levels of comfort when it comes to pass rush and what they like. Uh, I think the Jesse Minner and I think uh, the guys on the defensive line, there's a cohesiveness with some of the guys that I think that they're figuring out what combinations work best. And the other thing that they're doing is they're doing a great job mixing in some games and stunts. And in addition with the straight rushes, Uh, I think when you first started this season, you saw a lot of straight rush, not many games. That's one of those things that you do develop over time, over the time of a season. But um, these guys are probably, you know, ready to make their own, uh, their own, stamp on the defensive line and tired of hearing about Ojabo and Hutchinson as much as they love those guys. I'm sure they still love those guys, but uh, to see Mike Morris come out, have the game he had uh, to see Oki have the game that he had uh, Mason Graham, I thought had played a really tremendous game. Um, there was a lot of guys that contributed and played well up front and we got some depth and that's something that I feel like we've been lacking in the recent years. So uh, defense is good and getting better, which is scary, uh, you know, as we move forward into the season. Yeah, it's, you know, the old adage about uh, the run game is that sometimes you just hammer away, hammer away, and then things break open late. That's kind of how I feel about how this pass, uh, the pass rush played on Saturday afternoon. And the nice thing about when you have a guy like Oki who's coming on and Derek Moore who's coming on, I really do think, I mean, that's, I don't think it's that hot to take. I think in November, uh, Oki and, and Derek Moore are probably your your top two edge guys on the team. I think we're progressing that way. Um, but the fact that, when guys like that start coming on and you can kick Mike Morris inside and all of a sudden you've got pressure coming from, from multiple areas there. So again, I thought for the most part, the defense held up. I mean, Iowa, most of Iowa's yardage came in that last quarter or so. Uh, And I know it's, it's annoying to people in the chat. It was annoying to people at the game. Um, You know, I think we all sort of knew that Michigan being up multiple scores. It's just, I mean, they were up 20 to seven. I think a lot of people felt like that's, the equivalent of being up four scores for a lot of teams, but there's that doubt that creeps in your mind. We're like, well, Iowa hasn't played well all year, but do they build some momentum and figure it out? You don't want to be the team that Iowa figures it out on. So that's going to be some things that they have to clean up this week. Um, Let's talk about the play of JJ McCarthy. And again, guys uh, feel free to get your questions in. We will answer them and bring them up during the show. I want to talk about how JJ McCarthy played and kind of the, the offensive game plan as a whole. I think you and I talked last week about the desire to sort of open things up and spread spread defenses out and and be, you know, kind of take the mentality of, you know, our best, y- your best can't stop our best. Um, it's not exactly what happened. I think J.J. McCarthy, 18 for 24, 155 yards, uh, one touchdown, didn't throw a pick, uh, had the fumble that was thankfully recovered by Michigan, uh, but didn't make – didn't quite make the critical mistake, but I thought what he did really well, uh, it's another game where he completed 75% of his throws. They were content to get the ball out quick, find the guys at the numbers, let them make the plays. Uh, 
you know, I, I thought just a mostly coming into this environment, I know people aren't going to be wowed by the stat line or the production. And there was the deep ball. He missed to Roman Wilson that, that just, I think in November, that's a play that gets made by him, but he's still kind of figuring it out. Um, I thought this was a pretty poised and I, I'll stop short of saying impressive, but that man did the job today. And I think that that was a big, this is a big test for him as well. I thought so. I thought they did a really good job with the play calling this week, uh, this week and not really putting him in too many positions where he had opportunities to force the ball. Um, he had one read, two reads, uh, went through his progressions well, delivered all balls that were on time and for the most part on target. Uh, the one that everybody's going to think about is that one we missed to Roman Wilson deep in the overthrow in the first half because that would have been not a nail in the coffin, but you would have started locating your hammer to start driving nails in. And uh, I thought that him missing that one was just a little bit more what we saw last week because it's just he does so much so much well, and you've seen him throw the deep ball so well that it was just a little bit of concern that we've missed on those deep balls a couple different times. And when you're in the Penn State game or Ohio State game, that might be the difference in the entire game. So um, really overall, really good play for him, really solid, really consistent. The thing that I think that everybody can kind of relax on is I feel like at the very least he can do everything McNamara does or did and then can add some more with his legs and some other elements to the game. But uh, I don't think anyone anymore has any reservations, especially after him going on the road and getting this start with this team at, at Iowa, that he should be the starter. We have the right guy behind, behind the center and, uh, you know, he's only going to get better from here because I do think he's learned a lot and continuing to learn a lot uh, with the repetitions that he's getting. So we're going to see a better J.J. McCarthy in November than we're going to see here in October. Yeah, the touchdown pass to Donovan Edwards, too. I mean, I know when you look at his stat line, that's that's one of those things where you're like, oh, gosh, that's kind of what they were getting out of the other guy. What's What are they putting him in a box? They're making him run the Cade McNamara Michigan offense. No, no. J.J. McCarthy's running Michigan's offense, but it's plays like the touchdown pass to uh, Donovan Edwards where he rolls out to his his right and makes a makes a good throw. Um, it's plays like I think he will hit on some of those deep balls. I think we still kind of – somewhere along the line, I think there's a, a faction of Michigan fans that got it in their head that he is – that Trevor Lawrence or Bryce Young was sitting there waiting on the bench uh, where this is a guy who's still learning to play and learning to put it together and – Again, in, in in this game, in this venue that they played on Saturday, you need to just take what the de- – and, and that Iowa defense, I mean, people will be annoyed that the passing numbers weren't more. But um, when you go through pro football focus and you look at, look at coverage grades, almost all those dudes in the back seven are in the green. Some of them are in blue, which is elite. Um, that's a very good Iowa defense. And, God, I feel terrible for their fans because if they just had a – if they just had a – Cade McNamara type quarterback. That's probably a team that's going to Indy again. Uh, God, they have they have some major issues. But uh, overall, just uh, very happy with how the offense played overall. I thought that the offensive line imposed its will. It was nice to see Donovan Edwards back out there. He finished with five rushes for 29 yards. Um, who else? Uh, Donovan also had four catches for 21 yards. That's another aspect that he brings and something they've missed the last couple of weeks. They're going to hit on another one of those wheel route touchdowns eventually. They're going to watch. They, they will dial it up. So uh, Luke Schoonmaker, I'm just going through the box score here now. Scooney had another good game, four catches, 45 yards. He's emerged as a nice little safety blanket for Michigan. Uh, I know Michigan feels like it has a 1 and 1A one or 1A and 1B there with him and Eric all. With all not out there, uh, Scooney is Scooney's played really well. Uh, just 
yeah, uh, spreading the ball around, 18 completions, seven different guys caught passes. Nice play to Andre Anthony. Uh, I mean, a ball that could not be any better thrown. So offensively, I mean, you got to be pretty happy with what you saw. Uh, Michigan ran 66 total plays. They were at about five yards per play. Let's see, they're four for four in the red zone. Jake Moody was on the money again today. 24 first downs. I think they, in the first quarter, they had like nine or 10 first downs. They were just kind of doing what they wanted to do. So it is it is frustrating that there are times where you're leaving points on the field, but every week it's not. I don't think anyone can objectively say that this wasn't a better performance than last week's was. This This was a step forward for this team. Absolutely. And I think also you've got to really look at Iowa's red zone defense and I'd be willing to bet that their red zone defense in the big 10 is already currently one of the better ones and will continue to be one of the better red zone defenses. Um, and they tightened up like any good defense should and made you, you know, take field goals. And uh, I thought Michigan did a really good job of sustaining drives. I feel like the only drives that we didn't sustain were self-inflicted wounds. We had uh, you know, a holding call that backed us up. We had that, throwback that uh, JJ had that was ruled a fumble that slowed us up. There were uh, times where we stopped our drives, but I feel like Iowa for the most part could not stop our offense when we wanted to move. And that's something that we haven't probably been able to say a lot about a Michigan offense against a pretty solid defense is even against a good solid defense, we took care of the ball. We can continue to move the ball, picked up first downs. And uh, you know, it's just, going to get better with more experience. So as soon as McCarthy gets more experience, I think he's going to be an even more dangerous wielder of this offense that has all these weapons. So um, I still think the offense has a very high ceiling that we haven't hit yet, but it is good to see where we are currently and how efficient they can be. Michigan man says Iowa had the number one defense in the country heading into that game. So we knew Michigan wasn't going to drop 50 on them. Yeah. I think in the back of some people's heads, they were hoping that this would be like the Wisconsin game last year, which, my God, if anyone looked at what happened to Wisconsin today, that is that is a program that has completely lost its way. But um, last year, that one just kind of spiraled out of control late, and Michigan took advantage. This one, uh, Iowa kept pushing. I think that their offense played its best game of, of the year, and I think that Michigan's defense had a little bit to do with that. But again, when, when, it, when it mattered most, uh, they stepped up. Uh, David Mays has stepped up with a $5 Super Chat, so we appreciate that. Um, David, send us in a question with that so we can, unless you just want the shout out, we'll wait for that. But uh, while we do that, we will go to Max, who says, does anyone else feel that the difference between Michigan and OSU is we run into nine guys in the box on third and one when we had two wide receivers outside with zero safety coverage? Yeah, that was one where, that was a play where, again, another momentum changer, everyone in the stadium knew that that ball was going to Blake Corum on that third and one that was stuffed. Um, I would like to see a little more creativity there. I agree. I mean, I also think that you're situationally, you get a first down there and continue to milk the clock. You're, you know, really choking Iowa out as far as opportunities that they're going to have to to come back in that game. But um, I, I see that. And I do think that there's opportunities there, but I also think that we were playing in a hostile environment that if they, for some reason you give them the ball and generate a turnover, even if it's a high likelihood, you know, you got Andre Anthony on the outside one-on-one throw a jump ball. In a game where it's closer, in a game where the defense or the offense is getting yards on our defense, maybe we change our perspective. But I think with how Michigan's defense had played up to that point, you still snap the ball, give it to Blake Corum, and see what happens. Um, I know it's not the most exciting or exhilarating, but I think that that was a conservative call made to 
you know, preserve J.J. McCarthy and uh, also to tell the defense, we, we know you guys can stop these guys. So that's always a, a nod to the defense when they go for it on fourth and one and, uh, you know, they can rely on you to stop the offense. Well, again, shout out to David Mays for the super chat. Thanks for coming through with that uh, as his time expires on the shout out there. Thank you so much, David. Uh, this one's from uh, Scott Pierce's, uh Sorry. Had a brain fart for a second. Scoring 27 on the number one defense proves they can score against good defenses. I think the defense needs more work. Uh, I'm typically of the opinion, especially in modern football now, that a, a good or a good offense will find ways to beat a good defense. I think that I think that's the mark of a good offense is how you play when things aren't always going your way. And uh, you know, there are some offenses that are just reliant on the big play. Uh, Michigan, I think, will sort of. I won't say open things up, but I do see them being more explosive as we move down the stretch here. But um, this was a game that showed they're content to go the long way if they have to, and they can, they can hold up their end of the bargain in a bar fight. So um, yeah, that's any thoughts on just the offensive philosophy, how the plays were called in general, Ryan. Again, just that they were, I think they're saving JJ from potentially making a, making a mistake. Uh, They limited what he'd, what he did down the field, I thought. Uh, you only see a couple shots. That one that was an overthrow to Roman Wilson. Uh, you saw the uh, one that Andre Anthony. But if you were to chart out his throws, there were not very many throws that he made that were more than 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. And one of those things is I think that Iowa's game is to let you have short yardage and work you down to the red zone so that way they can stop you and get you off with a field goal. I do think that's how Iowa plays. And um, – the other reason is I think they were trying to make sure J.J. didn't make a mistake that would hang around in his head and uh, give Iowa some momentum. So um, conservative, but I thought conservative and creative. I mean, that was, that was uh, receiver reverse to Ronnie Bell. I don't know if anyone saw the blocking scheme that they came up with, but to have Schoonmacher come down, kind of chop his feet, and then peel back around to get another gap, and he makes a block that, that springs Bell all the way to the end zone, that was an amazing run play uh, design. And – some things like that that maybe don't jump off at you right away, but there was a lot of creativity um, out there in a conservative format for Michigan. I'm going to give Luke Schoonmaker his flowers again, and for the, another week in a row, Max Bredesen is out there getting run-blocking reps in critical moments and blocking his ass off. That is so good to see. I think he's going to continue to sort of be someone who steps up in that role uh, and, and does a good job with that. David Mays sent in a question, so – We'll move him again to the front of the line. Uh, looking ahead, how much will Penn State challenge Michigan? Will our pass rush look good against them? As of right now, they play they play a game against Indiana next week. And for the second week in a row, we have the luxury of being able to watch an entire Michigan game and then do some work, come back in a couple hours, and Michigan's opponent next week will be on. So we'll see. You know, Indiana could be 4-1 four and, four and one going into next week's game. They're going to play a tough game at Nebraska tonight, but uh, – you know, Penn State wise, yeah, I think that I think Penn State is is better than Iowa. I don't think there's any question about that. I think that you have the luxury of that being a home game, but um, yeah, I, it's tough to say right now uh, because outside of the COVID year, Penn State usually comes to Ann Arbor and gets pummeled. So I'm not drawing any sweeping uh, conclusions on that. Um, you know, I thought Michigan's pass rush looked better this week against a better team than the team they played last week in Maryland. So week to week, we'll see how it progresses. But uh, I think that we will start to see them get home a little bit more. I think so too. And 
regarding this question specifically, I feel like one thing that you can't write off is that Iowa traditionally has tremendously coached offensive linemen. This is not a scrub offensive line that we just saw this defense shred in the second half and, and put Petrus on his butt multiple times. These are good players. I do think they're a little young, but Iowa as a program and as an institution, their offensive line play is always at the top levels. And that's just something you know when you play against a team like Iowa. Penn State also has got some heavy recruits recently that I think that are, um, you know, they have a good talent level. I think that they're probably just as good, if not better than Iowa, with regards to their pass protection. But um, I think our defense is just starting to figure it out. And I think that there's a – a lot of danger in uh, getting into a situation like Iowa did where you have to throw the football and we know you're going to throw the football. So um, it'll all kind of depend on how the game plays out. But talent-wise, I feel like Michigan should be able to get after their guys just like we did the Iowa guys. It all comes down to situationally, are we going to be able to pin our ears back and go after them like that? Yeah. Shane Johnson uh, hopped in with a super chat right before uh, right before I got that last question in, so I'm going to move him, bump him up here. Uh, he says, cold beer for A.B. when he gets kicked out of the press box. Great team win in all three phases. No turnovers, no penalties. That's the only way you win it. Can it go blue? I'll tell you what. Um, the drive yesterday was pretty brutal. We did drive in. Uh, the drive tomorrow, I'm not looking forward to. I am going to have a beer or two tonight. It's going to happen. Um, the last couple of weeks have been, you know, finally, it's nice to have some stressful football games again, things you can really sink your teeth into and, and figure out where this thing is going moving forward. But it's good to be good to be two and oh in those games, too. So thank you, Shane, for the shout out. Uh, I want to go to I, Gary Klein here says it does seem like they are waiting until the fourth quarter to bring a straight upfield rush schematically even. I wonder what the thought process is. So, Ryan, I'll kick it over to you on that. Yeah, I don't necessarily think I agree and I thought I saw straight rushes and honestly I think that the biggest thing is to do things in combination so they don't know what they're what they're uh, setting to and that's what I think you saw was so successful was there was a lot of tackle going upfield and end coming underneath and that's why Petrus was getting hit in the chin so many uh, so many times there in the fourth quarter but um, I saw a three-man stunt where everybody slid right and we looped all the way around to the left Uh, we used to call that grenade back in the day I don't know what they call it nowadays Uh, but there was a good mixture, I thought, throughout the game, and I think that's what's making or what made Iowa struggle to get good protection was that our guys were never in the same spots. And then when they did come with a straight rush, I mean, Mike Morris is out of position, to be honest with you. He's six foot seven, 295 pounds on the edge, stand-up edge. I mean, that, that's just insane to me that that's where he's coming off, and he's winning with speed at that position. Um, so uh, I, I would be fretful if I was an offensive lineman that watches – this game tape because the second half Michigan's pass rushers all look like savage beasts and they're starting to figure it out. And uh, it's going to be tough to stop them if they continue to add the variables and and mix it up the way that they did against Iowa in the second half. And this one's from Bruce McGraw says, what's up with giving up the garbage touchdowns first Maryland, then Iowa. Um, Again, I mean, it's a 60 minute football game. Uh, Both teams have to play. I think a lot of it is, uh, especially this week, I won't call it garbage time. I mean, Iowa had a chance to make this a one-score game with, I think, maybe seven or eight minutes left. I have to go back and watch. Um, also, anytime on fourth and two that you can run a play short of the sticks, you totally should do that. So um, good offensive play calling on Iowa's part. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is still a team that is learning to play a full 60-minute football game. 
I don't know. They haven't done it yet. We haven't seen it. I mean, the first three games, really, they weren't given a chance to because they played 100 guys in each of those games. Um, I think we're going to start seeing it moving forward over these next couple weeks. I mean, Indiana, you go on the road. Things can get weird in Bloomington. But, uh, again, these are good. You know, Not every game is going to look perfect. Um, there are things to be concerned about coming out of this game. There are things to be maybe not put a ton of stock in. And there are things that we can chalk up as wins for this team moving forward. But um, it's a 60-minute game. Both teams have to play. This is still a relatively young Michigan team. I mean, a lot of these guys, your quarterback's going to be back next year. Donovan Edwards will be back next year. A lot of guys on the offense and defense, I mean, they're just still – there are still guys that are backfilling roles that were vacated from last year's team. And that's – you know, experiences like this are important because – you learn, you build that callus, and you keep that winning culture kind of going. But you do have to kind of relearn year in and year out. So that's what I would chalk that up to. Uh, I want to go to this one from Shadyville, who says the key to the pass rush is winning on first down. Uh, getting a team into obvious pass downs is the best thing you can do to assist the pass rush. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Steve O. He says, what is the point of having a QB as talented as J.J. McCarthy if he's just going to be a game manager? The offense doesn't look any different than if Cade was the QB. I think I think that's a comment that's sort of undercutting just how good this Iowa defense is. I mean, for the first time this season, when I wrote a tale of the tape piece for the site, I gave them an I gave the opponent an edge in a category. I thought that um, they would probably win more one on ones than not if Michigan tried to throw the ball down the field. And yeah, I don't know why. Why is game manager such a Ryan, maybe you can speak to this. Uh, why is game manager – it has like this negative connotation to it. Um, I'll take a game manager at QB if you're winning football games. And we know that JJ's more than that. That's that's a guy who will make a few plays this year on his own that win you a football game, period. Well, I would just go to the touchdown that we had, the ta- passing touchdown that we had. I don't know that McNamara has the mobility to get around that edge in – also bring that defender up because of the threat of the run and leave Donovan Edwards open in the back of the end zone. That's all, uh, you know, why McCarthy's in there is because of what he's able to do. Um, it would have been, you know, more than likely a throwaway or some kind of sack. So that's the difference between having JJ in there. I think you might have a too high of an expectation of what you think the offense should look like with JJ at the helm. I don't know if you think you should see multiple deep balls and balls put at risk, but I think you go into Iowa with a game plan. If I'm the coach, I'm doing exactly what they did, protect the ball. There's no reason to give Iowa any opportunities, just even on a tip pass or something that happens crazy down the field. Do I think J.J. could have let let it go and probably found receivers down the field? Yeah, I think Andre Anthony could probably outjump anybody out there and make some plays. And It would have been exciting to watch. It might have made a highlight reel, but at the end of the day, it wouldn't have impacted the score all that much. And it also would have been exposure of the ball and risking losing the ball that was unnecessary. So um, I, I think JJ was asked to manage the game and he did a tremendous job. And at some point he's going to be asked to go win us a game and he's going to go do that too. So um, I don't think you should have the expectation that you're going to see, you know, 700 passing yards out of 45 attempts when you got a guy like Blake Corum and offensive lines playing like we have. And uh, you know, we're trying to play a possession style game against a tough team that has a great defense. Yeah, and let's not forget, they took a deep shot in this game and it wasn't converted. It's not like they're not giving him opportunities to throw it on the field. Now, the stats will look better when he converts on that, but um, I still think when you look at it, yes, this is uh, 
this is the thing that bothers me is that people say, oh, well, we're running the offense like Cade McNamara would. No, the quarterback is running Michigan's offense. Cade McNamara did it really well. So one, when you say that, it is a compliment to him that he has sort of risen to just that level of uh, consistency and poise. And and he's he does not look rattled out there. He looks the part. Uh, but he can do just so many things. I mean, his legs. I mean, I don't. I think people were sort of expecting Michigan to cut this guy loose, and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson is back there. But this is still a process. And and Iowa, you work on your deep balls during the week in practice. You don't come to Kinnick Stadium on a Saturday at noon and work on the deep passing game because if you're off, and and thankfully that was just an overthrow uh, by a few inches. If your throws are awry or things aren't where they need to be. That ball's getting picked off, and it's going the other way. So I have no issues with how this game was called Saturday. I thought that it was to insulate themselves a bit from J.J. McCarthy making mistakes. Um, I'll stop short of saying it was risk-averse, but um, they took what the defense gave them to, and I thought they did about as good of a job as they could until the wind kind of came out of their sails a bit in the third quarter. But they they refound it, and they got one when it mattered late in the game. So... um, Let's see. What do we have here? So what I love about going live is that I go on a tangent and forget that we have questions that come in and just uh, Steve O still says Michigan runs a conservative offense. I think it's a mistake. It's nothing against JJ. Just think they should open it up and take advantage of his talents. Again, just going back to the things we addressed. I was not a defense. that's going to let you open it up. So uh, I don't think that they left 55 points on the field today. Uh, D Brown says that was a poised business like W for the team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we're kind of, I won't say we're running out of steam here, but I guess any other final takeaways, Ryan, that we haven't really discussed yet, just in terms of things that we saw. Well, I think one thing that kind of makes me laugh is as we're reading through the comments of this looks like the Cade McNamara offense, there was a big 10 championship winning offense in case anyone forgot. Like, yes, maybe it did look a little McNamara ish. And so, is that that won us a Big Ten championship. It got us our first playoff berth in the college playoff. Like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit on the criticism. This is also a team that, if I'm not mistaken, also was maybe the top in in FBS in scoring for the first three games. I know the the competition was cupcakes, but I also challenge us to find another five-game stretch that we opened up the season where we always scored 30-plus points. I mean, this is just uh, a team that I feel like is learning themselves through the opportunities they've been given, which are three cupcakes and, you know, not the most tough competition against Maryland, who I think is an improved team. And then we finally play Iowa, who I think Iowa is uh, maybe a little above the middle uh, in the Big Ten. You know, so um, I feel like maybe just take a, take a breather, think about the offense, because realistically we're an offense that's not turning the ball over, that's generating, I think, 35 points a game. This is a good offense, and they're getting better. So let them, let's be patient, and uh, I'm eagerly waiting for some more connections of deep balls. But if that's the biggest issue that we're talking about, we have a pretty good offense. All right, let me just tee things up for next week here. Michigan's going to go play at Indiana, and we'll see what happens at Nebraska tonight. But Indiana is the number one – it's the 114th ranked pass defense in the country, 279.8 yards per game. This is what bothers me about – this conversation that we're having is that there's a real good chance that next week Michigan is able to open things up and JJ throws for, I don't know, 280 yards and a couple touchdowns and we'll come down here. We'll do this show and people say, well, it was against Indiana though. That's what the defense gives you. 
This offense is built to take advantage of what defenses are giving them. Hawaii, when they decided they weren't going to play guys back, Michigan took advantage of them down the field. Uh, the next week, UConn plays their safeties deeper. Michigan dinks and duck, dunks the crap out of them. Um, this is this is not a one-player offense. Uh, J.J. McCarthy will hand a, have a hand in the offense. Blake Corum has a huge hand in the offense. Uh, 133 yards against Iowa on the road. That's huge. I mean, give that guy his respect as opposed to saying, well, J.J. could have thrown the ball more. He could have thrown for 250 yards. They left plays on the – Let's not lose sight of the fact that Michigan went to a place it hasn't won in almost 20 years, scored 27 points, um, which is tough for a lot of teams to do against Iowa's defense, and honestly, for three quarters, imposed their will and did whatever they want offensively. Um, Yeah, sorry it doesn't look like NCAA 14, and you're throwing the ball 40 times a game, but I don't have an issue with the way this offense is being called right now. I just don't. Well, I'd love to know who they're who who you want to compare them to because you want them to be Ohio State. Is that what we're doing right now? Because who else is doing the things that they're looking for JJ McCarthy to do? Because uh, I just I don't see this you know lack of opportunity for him to make plays or anything like that. I just I don't think that uh, you want to be Ohio State uh, as a Michigan alum or want to be one di- one dimensional because Ohio State recently have had some great quarterbacks, but until this year, they've struggled to run the ball. They don't run the football. And then when we ran the football against them, they struggled against us. So if we're just going to pull the mask back and say, why aren't we being more like Ohio State? Because we're not Ohio State. We don't want to be Ohio State. Let's just get that straight. Yeah. And and I think that there's – I think people are able to gauge how good a player is a lot easier when you see them rope a 40-yard post down the field or whatever it is. But there's a lot of little things like the – I mean, it's not even a little thing. The touchdown pass to Edwards was – I mean, to me, that's A++ in terms of decision-making, execution, all that stuff. So we've probably spent a little too much time on that. Um, Let's let's flip back over to the defense for a second, and then we'll probably close things out there. Uh, concerns about this game. Uh, Iowa is not a team that has run the ball very well at times. seems like they got a little bit of push there. Um, Michigan struggled a bit in coverage to cover the tight ends. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that everyone in the country knows that Iowa wants to run its offense through the tight ends. And they kind of got what they wanted a lot uh, when they were trying to drive down the field. So just thoughts on what you saw from linebacker play and, and, you know, I guess, getting, I won't say carved up, but um, Spencer Peters threw for 246 yards today. I think he threw for like 500-something yards in four games before this. So um, not not their best day in that area. I think this is the biggest challenge that the linebackers have seen to this point. One was because I think Iowa, again, has a really good offensive line, and they did a really good job of mixing the, law, the outside zone, the outside stretch play, with some of the interior stuff with the fullback coming across. And then you've got to worry about fullback tight ends and coverage. They're their best receivers. So as a linebacker, your plate was full today. And uh, I thought they handled, they handled it pretty well, pretty decently. One thing that was a slight concern for me was I did not see us doing a good job, at least to start, we got better, but on those stretch plays, your five technique or your overhang, your outside defender, can't just continue to get washed and get wider and get wider and get wider and open up gaps underneath them. And we weren't able to hold the point all that well. And that's why they got some success in their running game. But 
I will also say they were called for a lot of penalties and holds and things like that. And there was a lot of grabbing and, and stuff like that on those plays. It's natural in an outside run play for something like that to happen. But um, it was a little bit of a concern that for the middle of the third quarter there, it felt like when Iowa wanted to get to the outside on a run play, they could get there. And uh, it was something that I was like, all right, time to adjust. Here we go. Come on, adjust, adjust. And uh, I think we did, but uh, it was one of those things that like, huh, there is a, a chink in the, in the armor there and uh, something that we need to address and make sure other teams uh, don't try and take advantage of because if I was a coach watching and looking for some type of uh, leg up against Michigan's defense, I would definitely be putting that in my play sheet that outside zone was hitting for Iowa. Yeah, and I think we're still in the part of the year too where like there are certain things that aren't the worst thing in the world to put on film because you have plenty of time moving forward to correct it. Now, if you come out and on – whoever they play either Illinois or Nebraska on November 12th. If you struggle in coverage against one of those teams, a couple weeks before Ohio state, that's maybe when you start sweating a little bit, but um, they'll get better. And, and Iowa, th- one of the things about Iowa is that regardless of offensive production, regardless of what the game looks like, you know, that like, that's a team that just doesn't, they're always where they need to be. They're always in the right space. They always execute what they do to the best of their abilities. Um, you know, on both sides of the ball, if you're not on it, Iowa's a team that's going to take advantage of it. So need to get some, uh, need to get more fundamentally sound in some critical areas there. But again, not, um, you know, nothing, nothing too concerning. Uh, I, I think that really, and someone brought it up in the chat that this was a 20 to nothing game at the end of the third quarter. So might be making a mountain out of a mole, molehill in, in some of these areas, but um, it's from AJ Kavanaugh. Uh, shout out to AJ for that. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, again, for the most part, again, it wasn't exactly a four quarter wire to wire. You're impressed with everything you see, but about as workmanlike a victory and as cat, like I've used this term a few times, but it was kind of, it was a bit casually, it was kind of casually dominant given the fact that they played at Kinnick. Uh, so Pretty impressed with that. I the box. I think the box score probably shows. I mean, definitely in the final score. Certainly in terms of the offensive production, I think it shows a, a game that was probably looks a bit closer than it was on paper. But again, I I have most of my notes are things that I just don't register as, as big concerns to me moving forward. So, any final thoughts about this game and what we saw? Well, one thing that I still have is if you want to talk about a slight concern is that we're still not generating turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. And that's yeah. something that I feel like against Penn State, against Ohio State, man, would it be nice to give our offense one extra possession or two extra possessions in a game that I think is going to be, you know, the, the two most challenging games left on the schedule. So um, I am looking for that and uh, hoping that we can reverse that trend because it's something that, I feel like it's just a dynamic of the defense that if you're going to be elite, you have to create turnovers. And this is a very good defense bordering on great defense, figuring a lot of things out, but the turnovers just haven't been happening. So uh, it's something that I'm going to be really looking to or against Indiana is can we generate a turnover? Because uh, that's something that I feel like we're lacking. If we had to really get nitpicky and figure something out that we're missing, uh, got to get a turnover. Yeah. It seems like there are guys in positions at times. I think, I think that was DJ Turner that could have had one that, if the ball breaks the right way, he might, you know, that might be a pick six, but um, it's nice. It, it sounds like they're happening in practice. So they're hoping that it will snowball eventually. I know they had a few last week, but you want to see if you're going to be a, this isn't last year where you can kind of hang your hat on 
what Aiden Hutchinson does or what David Ojabo does. There is definitely more of a bend, but don't break element to this group. Uh, but in order for that to work, you do have to turn the, the uh, you know, get off the field on third down and turn teams over um, a 28 yard conversion on third and 22. That's not something that can happen, uh, especially against Iowa. So, um, wow. Okay. We have a, a $10 super chat, nine ninety nine. I'll get specific from Nick who says the commentators were hating blue so much. I had to shut the sound off. Wouldn't have been surprised if they said at one point, the refs were U of M homers because their flag colors are maze. Yeah, that was, there was a couple interest. I didn't hear the game broadcast cause we were, we were there, but, or I was there, but, there were a couple of calls that probably shouldn't have gone Michigan's way in this game. And they were a bit fortunate. And I think Iowa fans did have a gripe, but that's the thing about Michigan games. I mean, they are, they are the most among the most watched, which is why they keep winding up in this noon slot on Fox. Um, that's what Fox drafts. They put butts in the seats. Um, you know, people, people kind of tend to hate watch them a bit. So uh, for, I, I don't, I th- actually think that Joel Klatt's a guy that's been very complimentary about Michigan, but I think that they'll be seeing them like four weeks in a row. So I do get like, I, if you're a little bit annoyed by, by seeing them every week, I guess I can understand that, but I, I can't speak to what the announcer said today. Well, Gus Johnson is just full of gems, isn't he? So <laughs> uh, I, I didn't think they were too bad. I did hear the broadcast and, um, you know, I do think some of the calls, the clipping call, if we were if those shoes on the other foot, we would have all sorts of problems with it. So I don't have a problem with Iowa fans having a problem with that call. Um, but in general, I thought the refs were bad both ways. I thought there was calls they missed on our side, calls they missed on their side. And uh, commentator-wise, you know, I feel like people know that Michigan is going to be a dominant team. So when they see little things that they can pick at, that that's what they're going to do. And I, I don't – hate either one of those guys for what they say, but I also have my TV on very low volume. So don't worry, Nick, if you want to watch it on mute, you can always turn on the radio. Yeah. Radio call has been good. I've heard good things about Doug Karsh and John yep. Jansen, obviously friends of, good job. friends of the site, friends of the Wolverine. So appreciate that. Thank you so much, Nick, for the generous, uh, generous donation. I always appreciate the fact that I'm able to either buy myself a beer or put dog or food in my dog's bowl this month. So, uh, definitely appreciate that. Um, Final thoughts. I mean, I've pretty much talked to myself, talked myself out of takes. I think it was a good win. I think it was I mean, not a good win, great win. Anytime you go to Kinnick and win a football game, they've said we're top five teams go to die. Well, Michigan didn't die. Not only did it not die, it sort of thrived for most of the game. So that was an important, uh, important gut check. It's another callus built. It's another. It's another thing you can point on. Like, listen, would we play up to our potential? We could do some special things. But there are things to improve on, and I think they will moving forward. So any final thoughts from you, Ryan? I've said that about four times, but this will finally be it. No, I'm very excited to see where this team goes. I think, like you said, week five is a separator and get an opportunity to see if there's anyone that's fraudulent or if, uh, you know, there's teams that maybe maybe are overrated. And I feel like this Michigan team has not hit its potential yet on either side of the ball, offensively or defensively. And it's still at where they are currently a top 10 football program. So I think that uh, if you're getting excited for what this season could be as a Michigan fan, go ahead, let it happen. You know, don't, it's not the lions of Detroit that we're talking about. Uh, You can get excited about what this, (laughs) you can get excited about what this Michigan football team may do at the end of this year. And uh, we get to watch them grow and get better but this is a very good football team. And I think today for me was the staple of 
it's for real. They're the for real team that is going to challenge and uh, very seriously take a run at the Big Ten Championship and another berth in the college football playoff, and I'm excited about it. I want to give a quick shout out to Charles Blake, who says he's 23 days sober and feels so much better. 23 AA meetings in nine days. Proud of you, dude. Thank you for for being here. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. It's good that you're feeling good. It feels good to not only kind of be healthy, but also to come off of a victory, too. So Charles is having himself a day. We appreciate you being here. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, before we get out of here, I did forget to shout out the sponsor uh, for our Saturday show, Lewis Jewelers. At the beginning, uh, Lewis Jewelers uh, is the only jeweler of Michigan Athletics, and they are where Ann Arbor gets engaged. So shout out to the folks over there. Thank you so ge- uh, for being so generous uh, with your sponsorship of our site, uh, of our podcast. Uh, that's going to do it from here. Michigan goes to Kinnick Stadium, uh, wins for the first time, where top five teams go to die since 2005. Uh, so 27-14 win for Michigan. Clean game for the most part. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of notes. Uh, just just get out of here with a victory and, and the next couple of weeks. For those of you who want to see this offense open up, you're going to play an Indiana pass defense that is porous next week on the road. A couple weeks from now, and I know you folks are circling, circling the date for this, Michigan State's coming to Ann Arbor. And I think at last I checked that uh, Talia Tagovailo was kind of having his way with them as well, as every quarterback does. So um, call the MSU secondary the village bicycle, if you will. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate it. Uh, Anthony Broom from the Wolverine here. Uh, def- former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen joins us after every game. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we will talk to you again soon.